0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Thrifters Villa, a podcast for resellers and entrepreneurs. I'm Daniela,
1: And I'm Lori, and we are back to keep the discussion going on sourcing with
0: all of you. There is so much to talk about when it comes to sourcing and the ideas or strategies behind it.
1: We have also taken some time to look at our own strategies and struggles and inventory to give you, our listeners, some real-life examples.
0: Okay, guys, here we go. Behind the sourcing curtain, part two. Enjoy.
1: You. Yeah. all right. So, <laughs> Daniela, just <laughs> I'm just laughing because it's taken us over an hour to start this recording. We had some, we had some minor or major technical difficulties. They're pretty major, <laughs> kind of major, but here we are. So um, we didn't want to leave everybody hanging after our part one. So we decided we were just going to discuss more about sourcing.
0: Yeah, there's just so many things to talk about. And uh, once we finished recording episode two, Lori and I were talking and we just realized there were so many other topics that we wanted to talk about. And we had a lot of you guys, our listeners, start asking us questions related to sourcing. So it just made sense to have a part two.
1: Yeah. And one of the areas we wanted to touch upon a bit more is our own personal strategies when it comes to sourcing. So um, by that, with 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 one of the strategies in mind, I'm just thinking of at the end of the month when I do my what sold videos, it's really helpful for me to look at um, trends and analyze the data a little bit. And so You know, I like to see what my best selling brands are, or I have my, my buy Felicia section, like things that I've had on hand forever that I'm just like dying to see. And I say, bye Felicia, when I I say goodbye to (laughs) it when when it goes, excuse me, out the door. So like last month uh, for the month of November, when I did my video and I was looking at the data, I think I had sold, I don't know, 125 items and I think 22 were sweaters and like oh, wow. 18 yeah 18 or 20 were like boots not sneakers just like boots and then jackets i think were third place so that was really helpful for me when i go out sourcing now you know um i am looking to replenish those things that are selling pretty regularly and then i don't know about you daniela but like for me my bin of dresses is like overflowing i store my inventory According to item right now, that's not a forever storage system, but right now, um, you know, I have a few bins dedicated to dresses, a few to shirts, a few to pants and so on and so forth. So I have four bins for dresses and they're overflowing right now. Yeah. And I know, and the dress is amazing. I have to pass on it.
0: Yeah. So uh, this is funny. Is actually this conversation today with a good friend of mine, Jill, who's also a reseller and she's local to me. And uh, we were talking about sourcing dresses and she had said to me that she goes to the dress section, but like she skims through it. I end up skipping the dress section like 90% of the time. And I have probably a full bin as well, filled with beautiful dresses that just don't, move and yeah. i don't know if it's because we're so out of season but does it really matter because people need dresses all the time for events so i don't know i i don't really pick them up anymore either Lori. i, I don't know and i
1: say that and i've picked up like two or three dresses in the past week <laughs> i found i found a, a johnny was division um at the bins like i couldn't say no to that
0: well no you can't say no to that It's johnny was like no exactly certain things you can't say no exactly. to. exactly
1: and then the other day, it was just like an embroidered. It had real Free People vibes and Johnny Was vibes, actually. But it was Rana Gill. I don't even know. I've never heard uh,
0: of
1: it. Yeah, it was a new brand to me too. But it was stunning, and I I featured it in my last haul. Um, but again, it was a dress that I think I would keep for myself, and it was my size, so I was okay with it. But generally, I try to stay away from dresses only because they don't sell for me, and I'm in the same boat. Like I had some beautiful party dresses. I had this. Michael Kors dress, which I don't pick up Michael Kors all the time, but I think it was new with tag, black with like tiny little metallic gold stars, and I was so certain that that dress was going to sell for New Year's Eve. I would have put money on it. Nothing. I don't even. Well, I'm
0: glad you didn't put money on it.
1: (laughs) You would have lost. I would have lost it, and I would still have the dress in my closet. So yeah. So (laughs) when I'm sourcing, I look at that sort of information, and it helps me decide. You know what part of the thrift store I'm going to go to, to source. And I'm always in shoes. Shoes is just a high return on investment. Nine times out of 10 for me. Um, I think a lot of people agree with that. Whether like, I know you love to clean shoes. Mm -hmm. I don't mind cleaning shoes either. It's very um, gratifying. Um, But whether you like to clean them or not, I think most people would agree that shoes are usually a good return on investment if you're buying the right shoes.
0: Yeah. And I think to go back to what you said before, like I know for me this year in 2020, I really want to focus on data and I really want to look at what is selling for me and what's not and what categories are doing better for me. And, and um, I think that's important because it's going to help me streamline my sourcing, but it's also going to help me increase my average sale price if I know what the categories are that do the best for me. So I know right now with the data that I currently have, um, shoes is my number one that brings me the most money in in terms of average sale price and the net profit. So I typically focus a lot of my energy on shoes. Now, I am a little picky as to what kind of shoes I pick up. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't pick up every brand like I'm not going to pick up Nine West unless it's a really cute pair from the bins. Like, you know, I'm I'm very careful and methodical about how I do that. Um, I don't just want to pick up any pair and then have a bunch of inventory sitting. I want to really deep dive and see, okay, these are the brands that do well for me and these categories do well for me. Do the two kind of go together? And if they do, okay, now I know where I need to really focus my time. And I think as a reseller, it's important to know this information so that you're not just wasting time when you're in a thrift store. Now, Of course, everyone likes to shop typically who's a reseller. You enjoy that thrill of the hunt. But if you're wasting time, you're not getting paid for that. Like that's time that you're you're putting into your business that you should see a return on. Like you need to start thinking of it that way when you're doing all these activities and um trips to find inventory. Like you need to really step back and look at it in that business perspective and that's um a big thing that I'm going to be doing this year personally.
1: Yeah, I w- I would agree with that and um I don't know how good I am at that. I am I feel like you are a very strategic person um just in our conversations and you analyze everything. Um and I feel like I'm more of an emotional shopper. I I shop on feeling a lot and sometimes it really pays off and sometimes it doesn't. And so I think after, you know, this past year was my first full complete year of reselling. So I get to look at 12 months of data now where I started in 2018 in August. So I just kind of had a snapshot of that year, but now I have the whole year so I can kind of see the trends of, you know, winter versus summer versus autumn or whatever. And, um, Yeah, I I definitely have to be shopping smarter, although like today, um, I I, I sold the bundle to a woman who um, had purchased a bundle a few days ago, and I was having trouble finding one piece from her bundle, and it was a really inexpensive bundle, but it was three items that had been in my closet for Almost a year, if not more. There were certain inventory tags on it that let me know a couple of the pieces had been in my inventory since August of 2018. So, isn't that scary
0: when you see that? You're like, oh my God, I haven't, this hasn't moved. I've had it for how long?
1: (laughs) No, it's like 500 days now. It's crazy. Like, am I a fool to keep these things in my closet? Like, I wonder that. And then I was just getting ready to cancel the order and then relist two out of the three because I couldn't find one of them. And then when I looked at the photo carefully, it was like it was a Lauren Conrad um, cold shoulder blouse that I picked up at Kohl's for $4 on retail arbitrage, had like a $48 price tag on it but it had polka dots and I had been searching for solid black for like three days. (laughs) I'm literally looking at the picture, ready to cancel this poor woman's order and then go through the whole thing of relisting and selling her just the two pieces. And I was like, oh my gosh, it is polka dots. Flew down my stairs, right on top was the blouse. So in the meantime, I had messaged her and said, um, I feel so badly about this, Let let's, you know, I'm going to prorate it, give you discounted shipping. I'll send these two out to you, which she wanted. And then I said, and please take this opportunity to choose anything in my closet for 50% off. It's, you know, we're all trying to move stuff right now, right. fresh year. So, um, she purchased three more items and there were three more items and, and it, they said it was $73. She sent me a $30 offer. She went oh. even lower than the 50% I offered. Wow. So. And I was like, "Um, okay, because they were things, again, that had been there for over a year. So literally, it was $60 total. So she essentially got each piece for $10. Wow. My average selling price is like, but honestly, Daniela, they were mostly from the bins, and they were all over a year old. So I was actually thrilled with that to move six pieces. These were like six pieces I was ready to pull out of my inventory. Right. So um, I was happy with that, but that definitely will affect my average Sale price, which I think right now is around 31 dollars is oh, where wow. but um but yeah, sometimes you just have to like take the hit, I made money on everything, and I moved six items, and she seemed happy, but I would say of the six items that I sold to her, maybe one I would source again yeah. a year and a half later, you know so so your strategies change as as the seasons change, you know?
0: And you evolve as you continue on on this journey. Like you're going to be constantly changing and evolving and it's not a bad thing. I mean, it's just comes to the territory. Fashions change, trends change, the way you look at your business changes. It's totally normal to be looking at all of these aspects of your business and the data that's coming in and just kind of, you know, switching things around, but you also don't want to switch too much either. And this is something that I struggle with personally. I like to change things. I like to, you know, do things quickly sometimes. And then I sit back and I'm like, well, I really don't know what's helping, what's not helping. Cause I changed everything at once. So just some food for thought for you guys.
1: Right. And I think that happened with you, like when you stopped, when there were certain brands, like in our last episode, you told me you were going to give me all of your free people stuff. And I'm just wondering if you're still going to do that.
0: No, I'm going to keep it. (laughs) <laughs> and tell everyone why. <laughs> so um, I'll give a little plug here to our girl, Sarah Stiles. Um, yeah. She is on Instagram. I think we mentioned her briefly in the last episode. Um, so she's Sarah Styles LLC on Instagram. I think on all platforms, that's her handle. And um, so I used her dashboard. And um, one of the things on the dashboard is categories and brands. And uh, yeah, so Free People was number one selling
1: brand. It's so
0: funny. It's so I funny.
1: Can't. Just because in sourcing 101 part one, you know, you were yeah. saying you can't move it. So it's, it's actually great, I, but I love it. I love that there is something out there that gives us that information. And my number one selling item for the year, I sold 53 pieces of Lululemon was my number one seller. Yeah, this so a of my number four number four. Yeah, some of my Lulu know. came from my closet between my daughter and I, but a lot of it was sourced. And um, yeah, I need to gear up. I have a few pieces that I need to list now that it's New Year's and everyone's looking for workout gear, I'm assuming.
0: Yeah, I feel like that's definitely something that I'm looking at when I'm going to the thrift store. And I'm, I really hope when we go to the bins on Sunday too, that I'm able to find some athletic wear. And I'm, I'm kind of okay with any brand at this point, as long as it's a brand that moves, Um, just to kind of get that customer into my closet and looking at other things as well. And the bins is a great place to do that. So that is my goal.
1: Yeah. Okay, good. I will help you achieve that. I'm excited. I actually have like a little pile of athletic wear that I need to list. Um, So yeah, I have to get on that. (laughs)
0: <laughs> there is one thing I want to backtrack on really quick, and it was um, when you had mentioned that when you source, you like to go by feel sometimes, and and like the yeah, like looking at it, and if it looks unique. So I think there is some validity to that as well because I think it's important to understand quality in fabric while you're making your decision when you source. Um, I don't think you should solely go off of brand because there is a lot of times that I've sold no name brands and it's been like a hundred percent cashmere or merino wool or mohair and it's sold for anywhere between like 25, $30 to like 80 bucks. Right. So right. You really
1: need Separate to content mm-hmm. is big when you're sourcing.
0: Yeah, too. I agree. And so something that I look for when looking at for sweaters. So I like to look at, is it mohair? Is it cashmere? Those are like my two things that I will always pick it up as long as it's a, Trendy style and something that I know will move. I'm going to grab it because people love mohair and people love cashmere. Those are the two things that you can always bank on people wanting when it comes to to, when it comes with a sweater.
1: And one of my personal favorites is alpaca. I absolutely
0: love it Mm
1: -hmm. Um, because it's that very soft. You know, um, yeah, cashmere is just when you think of you know if if any if any of us, I'm sure all of us have purchased a cashmere sweater. Even if I buy a cashmere sweater, I think the only cashmere I've ever purchased. Retail has been at Lord and Taylor on Black Friday doorbuster and um, TJ Maxx. So even at those places, I'm still spending sixty to eighty dollars for yes. cashmere. It's expensive.
0: And yeah, some of the you- stores I think i have caught on because I've seen some cashmere sweaters for like fourteen ninety nine and up. So
1: mm-hmm. yeah, but a lot of them miss it too. You know yes,
0: they do. <laughs> that so they if do. if
1: if you can train yourself to you know really Learn to feel clothing or look at fabric tags. I I just sold. I don't even know if it was vintage or not, but um, a I had this gorgeous chenille sweater that had um, like lace embroidery on the um, on the sleeves. It was it was like almost like that chenille feel of a sweater. It was a cardigan. It was oversized. Like there was not a fabric tag on it. There was not a care tag. There was not a size tag or a brand tag. Nothing, and it wasn't handmade. It was so gorgeous. It was like that dusty rose color. I mean, I absolutely loved it, and it sold to a viewer for like fifty five dollars. It and sounds it was, like a
0: sweater I'd wear.
1: Yes, you would, and yeah. you would look beautiful in it. Um, <laughs> and,
0: thank
1: you. And um, but yeah, and, and that was totally just off of you know. I I tried to take really good pictures, and you know I I talked it up on my on my YouTube video too, which, which helps sell things sometimes. But I mean, if you have beautiful pictures, there was nothing to that brand and um, literally nothing and it's still sold, but you know, so if you love something and you don't mind having it in your closet for some time, you know, that, that can help drive you too. And I mean, I think we talked briefly last time that uh, you don't like to hold things in your closet very long and I am somewhat okay with it. I guess I'm okay with it because after looking at some of my stats, I've had stuff for 500 days. I don't know if that's the right choice, but.
0: I think it depends on your business model though. Like if you have the room in the storage and you are utilizing relisting, or even if you're not, I guess you don't have to. If you know that eventually this item will sell, then I don't see a problem in it. But if you're looking at it and it's not, and I hate to use the phrase like sparking joy, because that's basically what it is though. if it's I really not-
1: believe that. I believe yeah, that.
0: If it's not giving you that feeling, you're like, this is just this is boring, this is stale, no one's gonna want this. Why, why did I pick this up? Right? Yeah, you know that's where I, my
1: buy Felicia category came from. Like you were just there were these things. I I actually one of the very first things I listed was a black new with tag free people dress that was embroidered mm-hmm. off the shoulders. And for whatever reason, I thought that Ange was gonna want it one day. Well, she didn't like it. I mean, she tried it on, she modeled it for me. And it was new with tags, had like a $148 price tag on it. I had it listed at $78 forever. And um, it's still in my closet. It's been since August of 2018. And I still love that damn dress. And I think I lowered the price to $50. And still, like, I'm not willing to pull it because I still believe in that dress. And it's been. So, can I make a a
0: suggestion? Sure. So, take the dress, take new pictures delete your listing and make a new listing of it and add new descriptive words, try to find a stock photo, see if that helps. I know there's like, some people do stock photos, some don't. I don't see a big deal of using a stock photo as long as it's not the only photos that you have because some pieces you just can't display them just by hanging on a hanger. Being you a know, picture. Angie's
1: modeling it and I actually happen to lo- like some of the pictures she models, I'm like, meh, you know, but yeah. I actually loved this dress on her and stuff. And I think I do have a stock photo, but you're right, I should at least relist it. But yeah, but that's that's an example of something that brought me joy. It's it's a piece that I would wear. I love it. Love the style, love the brand. It's new with tags. It's gorgeous. I paid $7 for it. Yellow tag. TJ oh, wow. Maxx when I started my like, business.
0: It's like disappointing when you see that other people don't see the same thing that you do in a piece and you're like, but why don't any of you like this and want to buy it from me? I don't understand. You know, they
1: probably want to buy it for $35. I just don't want to sell okay. it for $35. <laughs> right. But I mean, even if I sold it for $35, I'd still be, you know. Yeah, making three times my money when all was said and done. But and that's where I guess I'm just like certain pieces. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to leave it high and I'm okay with that. And then there are other pieces like the Lauren Conrad cold shoulder shirt that sold today. I was like so happy to see that go. And I will not wouldn't pick it up again. I would pick up a Lauren Conrad sweater at the bins, but I wouldn't do that again. Yeah, it was a lovely shirt, too. It was beautiful. I mean, you know, it was lovely. It was four dollars at a forty eight dollar price tag on it but it really had mood, moved. And in the end I sold it for $10 and then Poshmark took two. So I made $4 on that blouse. That's probably one of the lowest profits I've ever made on a piece.
0: Yeah. But, I'm trying want, to think what's the lowest I've ever made. I want to say like two bucks or something because it was something that I had in my closet and I didn't really care about it. and I just wanted it to go. And it was like when I first, first started last year. Yeah. I just didn't care.
1: I mean there are those there there are those pieces, you know. So um and then there are the ones you get for two dollars and you sell for fifty. So it it offsets those other ones. So as far as sourcing goes, um yeah, definitely definitely go for fabric content if you're not sure about a brand. And this happens to me every single time I thrift. I have to say that every single time I go without fail, I'm looking at new brands. I'm running comps on something that just looks beautiful to me. I picked up a pair of gloves today and um, they were camo at, mm-hmm. uh, they were new without tag, but camo and then like a really soft camel colored leather contrast. Ooh. Yeah. And the brand was like Caroline Ama something. It was some Italian last name. And then I flipped it and it said 85% cashmere lined. They were a $1.99. Oh, wow. New, with, new without tag. I went to the woman's website, they're sold at Bloomingdale's, and their retail value is anywhere between 125 and 180 for gloves. That's
0: crazy. Gloves.
1: So, and it wasn't any brand to me. I happen to be a fan of camo pattern. So I saw it and I grabbed it and I looked at it and I brought it home. Like I, I didn't even run the comps in the store because it was so cheap. I just knew it was leather and it was new without tag and it was camo. So I'm like, well, these are all things that I love. I'm going to take a chance on this and take it home. What's the worst I can sell them for $15. And you know, now I'm hoping they'll sell for around 40, you know, so we'll see.
0: Yeah. And on the flip side, um, some of you that are listening may already know this story, but I found a Christian Dior dress at the bins and that dress did not feel luxurious. The fabric quality was not great. It felt like a really cheaply made dress with no lining nothing the zipper looks super cheap and lo and behold it was christian dior so yes go by feel but then also go by pattern read the tags (laughs) yeah that too read the tag because (laughs) people passed over that dress that was it was a picked over bin i'm talking like it maybe had rotated 20-25 minutes before and no one was at those bins anymore and I was like well let's just take a walk around because I do that sometimes I like take laps around bins that I've already searched through and see if people have thrown things back or maybe I missed something and it was just hanging out on the top of the bin and it didn't look like anything until I flipped it and saw the tag so That's crazy um,
1: this story yeah. never gets old
0: no and it'll never happen again so <laughs>
1: don't say that you never know well, it might. you never know it might, it might. Mm -hmm.
0: But I think this is a good time to transition into um, talking about brands and quality. The other thing you should be looking at too is like the stitching of the item, the stitching of the tag. Um, There's a lot of times that like luxurious brands or um, designer brands have cloth. Um, tags with their name on it and like they look different they look expensive Um, they'll have like a single stitch around them or they'll they'll be hand stitched all the way around Um, like those are little indicators or if you're looking at the way the item is actually sewn together it looks like it's sewn by hand or the stitching is so perfect the seams are so perfect like no other uh, mall brand for example would ever stitch it that way right like the little things you learn as you continue to source
1: And I also think that a lot of, um, high end brands, they brand the heck out of their merchandise. So like I I got a Burberry Brit shirt the other day, paid up for it, but, um, you know, on the buttons, it says Burberry Brit on every little, it's just a button down. So every little plastic little button had Burberry on it, you know, and, um, And high-end brands will do that. They'll, you know, they will brand their hardware on purses and then the inside. Even I picked up a North Face jacket today and it had like the hologram on it, which is another one. A lot of brands do that for, um, to confirm authenticity. You're not going to see like the holograph, holograph, hologram, (laughs) I'm trying to say.
0: Holograph, (laughs) holograph, hologram is the thing you, (laughs) that you put up on the screen, right? Like they do a hologram, like they did that hologram of Prince, right? That's hologram, okay. Holograph. I don't know, guys. That shiny sticker that they put on the interior tag—that's <laughs> the, <laughs> the one. Kind of rainbow Diane von Furstenberg does.
1: <laughs> Diane von Furstenberg Thursten, definitely does it. Yeah. Yes, and North Face does too. So yeah, there are there are some things that you can look for to confirm authenticity.
0: We are and very even, technical here. Okay. Right.
1: Yes, we are a technical bunch. <laughs> you know the rainbow thingy that's on the
0: tag underneath. <laughs> it's really shiny. <laughs> oh. oh, my gosh. Yes. Okay.
1: I'm putting on my um, readers so I can read next. What else did we want to chat about oh, here? We
0: did have one of you guys reach out to us. And I think this question is really great. And it was, when do we feel confident while sourcing? And when do we not feel confident? And then how do we brace that uncertainty um, that comes along with not feeling Confident about an item, and I think this is such a great question because so many you could respond in a hundred different ways. Right. But I've, I do love
1: this question. This is great.
0: I I feel the most confident when I know I've sold the brand and it's sold well. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the quality of the item is really good, and even though the brand not, not, might not be great, I know I can move it fast. So that's my motto, right? I like to move inventory quickly at the highest average sale price that I can get. That is my motto. Uh, Mm -hmm. So that's important to me. When do I feel uncertain? Um, When I pick up a brand that might be designer or luxury and it's not like a fancy runway piece or it's not something that's been on um, Revolve or a Nordstrom Mm -hmm. or something and it's just like this average piece and it has the name like that's where I struggle sometimes. Like, is it really worth me picking up this Tory Burch button up or should I just pass on it? Even though it's only 499, you know, I struggle. Yeah, with I'm that. still
1: sitting on like a St. John's sport, you know, it's kind of a grandma, like mint green zip cardigan.
0: Right. And
1: I stare at it and I was so excited when I found it because it was the first time I found St. John, like so excited. And I'm like, now I look at it and I'm like, I actually think I might have passed. I might pass on that now.
0: So I'm Um, not going to lie. I have passed on a lot of designer brands. I have passed on St. John. I have passed on Tory Burch. I have passed on Diane von Furstenberg. I have passed on, I did pass on a Prada and um, a Dior because they were extremely vintage with uh, the Dior had, um, the pants are just a very old style. Like I'm talking like a 1960s. Yeah style to it and it was worn and even though it was 2.99 like even if i sent it to the real real they probably wouldn't have accepted it um I passed on something else that was high. Oh, Gucci. There's a pair of Gucci shoes and I wanted to grab them. I was like, Oh, I can rehab these. There was no rehabbing them. I would have literally spent probably a hundred dollars at the cobbler to try to fix them at that point. It's not worth it. So it's hard because you're like, Oh, I know these things sell and this is luxury. And you know, you, you feel confident in the brand, but the item itself leaves that uncertainty where it's like, well, is it? Well, and there's so much
1: excitement when you're like, When you see, you know, Messino shoes next to Gucci, like you get this feeling, like you just get so excited when you see something like that. And, um, I bought a pair of Prada patent leather ballet flats that were so beat up, like so beat up, but you
0: were excited for those Prada shoes.
1: <laughs> I was excited, but I ended up sitting on them for so long, and in the end, they sold for like $22. I have and a I similar like, story, similar just story. really wasn't worth it. I would have been better yeah. off buying a pair of like those, the Lucky Brand leather. I was just you know, gonna, was gonna, gonna say, say
0: Lucky Brand. brand. <laughs> oh, yeah,
1: what is your story?
0: <laughs> so, I uh, well, I would do the exact almost the exact same scenario. I had a pair of Gucci vintage shoes, it was first pair of luxury brand that I found when I started sourcing so they're they were super vintage but they were cute they were um I'm trying to think they had like an extreme pointed toe but they were long they were definitely narrow um the heel was kind of messed up the leather was definitely messed up and I covered it up the best that I could and they sat for probably a year I recently sold them not too long ago and Mm -hmm. I sold them for 35 dollars and I didn't Mm -hmm. care Yep. I just didn't care. Right and, at one um,
1: point, that would have ended up in my buy Felicia pile. Which who yeah. would ever think that Gucci would be there? You know, yeah,
0: and I, I couldn't tell. And I was so upset. I was like, I've relisted these ten times. I don't understand. It's Gucci. Get so many likes. And then when I sit back and think about it, well, the style was so old, and they were so beat up. And I know they cost me three ninety nine, but like they weren't worth anything more than thirty five forty dollars. So can I really be mad? You know.
1: Yeah, no. I mean, and then sometimes you just have to ask yourself, would you wear it? Is this something nope. you would wear? Nope. Even as a professional, like certain things, like I wouldn't wear that St. John's blazer that I bought. And, and that is something that's coming into play more and more for me as I'm just buying things that I like and I'm learning my customer. Um, and yeah. In, and again, like if you if you like it, You don't mind sitting on it for a while. At least I don't. One of the things I passed on today that was really hard for me to pass on um, was a cool, it was a woman's cool KUHL full zip up fleece. And it was $3.99, but the pilling, oh my gosh, um, the pilling was so bad. And I feel like even on a different day, I might've picked it up if I felt like coming home and really working on it. But I have. I think two cool items right now. I mean, I've sold cool. It's not like my best selling thing, but it does sell for me. Um, how much but I, did
0: that sell for, cause I've passed on it. I can't tell you how many times in the last month. Oh, really? Yeah.
1: Um, I, I had a men's cool, like almost like a Patagonia feel, mm-hmm. po- uh, quarter zip. I think I sold that like in the forties. Oh, um, bad. no, very good. Um, and that was a similar scenario where it had, some pilling it wasn't as extreme as this and it was a larger men's size and I just I don't know there was something about it that I just felt like that would move better and I must have been in the mood to sweater shave because I took it home and I you know gave it new life and then so a lot of the Patagonia Better sweaters that I pick up are heavily pilled and um, but they they clean up really nicely but yeah I passed on it and it was mostly because I don't know. I just didn't feel like putting in the work today. So in addition to brand and quality and style lately, I've been also looking at condition. I feel like I used to pick up a lot more beat up things thinking I would go back to them and work on them. And really, probably the only thing that I really work on at this point is shoes. And maybe like, hemming a button or moving a button like if there's a button missing i added like a dana buckman um which is a no name i mean it's a whatever brand um really pretty black floral blouse that i really i thought the the style was very on trend and i picked it up at the bins and i was steaming it this morning to photograph it and um it was a size 14 and then i noticed it was missing like a button on the bottom mm-hmm. and then i noticed that each of the buttons on the sleeve were were Fastened by a safety pin on both sides. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, so clearly didn't look this over at the bins. And like, (laughs) I just took it off the hanger and threw it in my donate pile. I'm like, I'm not going to spend another second on this piece.
0: Oh, no, I don't blame you at all on that. That's funny.
1: Where before I might have been like, oh, well, they are safety pin. Maybe I'll, maybe I think I'll stitch this and then it would go in a pile that I would never go back to. I know myself now that I'm not going back to that pile. Right. And I would just, just, I would rather donate it and clear my head and clear my space.
0: So I have a reseller confession. I don't Uh-oh. steam anymore unless I absolutely have to, because it's a crumbled up mess. I don't steam anymore. Really? It's, I, I feel like most of the time the items look fine once I take the picture and I like, it cuts out so much time in my listing process. Me not yeah, steaming, steaming is I'm, time
1: consuming. It is. it is time consuming.
0: I feel like there's certain, I mean, certain have things have to I have Yeah, you have to. Yeah,
1: certain things. But again, I don't pick up a lot of button downs anymore. I picked up the Burberry button down, of course. This one was at the bins. But but yeah, I avoid button downs mostly at this point.
0: Yeah, most of my button downs have gone to the real real. Really? Yeah, that's about it. I don't. Mm. I think I might have like one or two left in my closet, but I don't. No, I don't really pick them up anymore. I also don't pick up like the ribbed, um, ribbed sweaters. You know, like the basic. Rib yep. sweaters. I don't yep. think those up anymore either. Um, Sometimes
1: the vintage Ralph, Polo Ralph Lauren rib sweaters I like. I like. I actually love Ralph Lauren. Fun fact.
0: Yeah, I do. Um, for myself.
1: Yeah, for myself, and I sell vintage Polo Ralph Lauren really well. Like I think, although today I did pass. Okay, tell me if this was a mistake. I oh, I think it was, but it was a navy blue longer blazer and I was confused. It was black label Ralph Lauren, Mm -hmm. but it said factory outlet. It had a new with tag, it had $150 new with tag, but it was black label. So I was confused. So for listeners who don't know, um, Polo has like a hierarchy of quality and their purple and black label are the highest, I believe. Is that right, Daniela?
0: Yeah. So wait, the black label was a factory?
1: it was so confusing. It was a factory label. (laughs) This is, it was so weird. So I don't sell blazers very well. Navy blue doesn't photograph very well. It was linen, which, you know, that would be a pro because linen is a a fabric people like to pick up. It was new with tag, another pro. Um, So one of the tags said factory, pull a factory, $150. Then there was a Filene's basement tag, Oh my god! Isn't in business anymore. (laughs) Is Filene's basement just a Boston, New England thing?
0: Maybe I actually I don't know. It might be.
1: We don't get out very much, but anyways,
0: Filene's basement was
1: like a fixture in downtown Boston. So there was Filene's, and then Filene's basement was like the clearance center. That it was like literally in downtown Crossing, Boston, a fixture. It's not there anymore. H and M is there, which is so sad to me. Or Macy's is there right now. But anyway. and that tag said twenty nine ninety nine, dollars Filene's Basement. And then the Savers tag was $13. And I'm like, oh my God, this is just, I'm just overwhelmed. I'm just going to put this back. But I carried it around for a while and it was new with tag. And so I don't know, maybe that was a fail. But see, that is something that didn't bring me joy. And I decided to leave it behind, even though it was Ralph Lauren, black label. I don't think it was a real black label because I would have grabbed it. And well- it was. I'm looking it up
0: online and it says Ralph Lauren black label, the most modern of the Ralph Lauren lines with a slimmer modern cut and silhouette, the second most prestigious Ralph Lauren label with prices higher than PRL. What does PRL stand for? Oh, Polo Ralph Lauren. Lauren. But still less than Ralph Lauren purple label.
1: Okay, so so Purple's the
0: top. Yeah, so it it must be like an in between, like their mid level. Oh, like, why would it say
1: factory outlet? Like I thought it was, it know. didn't say factory on the label. It said factory on the tag, like on or, the price tag.
0: It could have been like a sample piece or something too. Cause that's possible. And it never,
1: maybe and it I should firmated. go get it. Yep. <laughs> maybe I'll go back tomorrow. It would have only been $10, which is kind of crazy. Now, is that something you would have picked up and just sent to the real real and not no. even dealt with it?
0: I wouldn't no. have even, cause it said factory on it. So I wouldn't even bother
1: hmm
0: yeah I yeah but if I cut exactly. the price
1: tag off it, it, it would have just been a black label but there was too much uncertainty there and it didn't bring me joy and yeah. it was expensive so I left it seems it too
0: complicated yeah count me out
1: okay well so yeah. we agree on that yeah so that I left behind and I left the cool behind
0: let's talk about a story Lori about our trip to the bins together mm. and this oh yes I before know Christmas <laughs> so this is uncertainty and confidence right mm-hmm. so Lori finds this crazy Santa in a bin and she's all excited and she comes up to me and she was like I'm gonna get him and I was like what well, but why? Knowing
1: full he's, well, you were just going to think I was crazy.
0: Yeah, I was like, but why? He's disgusting and dirty and he's creepy. And she was like, no, look at the comps." And she's like, she is so confident about it. And I'm just standing there like, all right, Lori, do whatever you want, Lori. Like,
1: You're like, you do you. And meanwhile, she's made me throw back like half of my cart, but I wouldn't budge on this one. Um, Um, so yeah, I picked him up and I just, he just felt special to me. He was very creepy looking like an elfish looking face, but there was something about the detail. He had a vintage tag on him. He was like a fat little Santa, probably like, would you say like 12 inches tall about and about about eight inches wide. He was chubby. Um, and come to find, so I looked at the tag on him and it said Rushton. So I had never heard of that. Um, I've talked to a lot of people who are like, of course, Rushton. Um, but I had never heard of it. So I just felt like he was something. So I looked him up. And of course, the comps, like I'm looking on eBay right now. And just the listing prices for these vintage. So there's a 46-inch Rushton Santa listed for 500 A 24-inch listed for 65 106 60 385 299 The prices were all over the place. I ended up selling my Santa for $30. I listed him for 68 I had, a, and he sold on eBay. I don't sell a lot on eBay, but he was clearly, he was clearly not meant for Poshmark. So, um, but I put Santa and, and then I got an offer for $30 and I didn't know the market all that well. I knew that the comps were good, but like some of the Santas had belts. Mine did not have a belt. I thought mine was a little bit dirty and it was, um, some of the seams were split in the back, but he's from the 1950s and it's a pretty sought after doll. Um, so I took a $30 offer because it was like December 17th. And I said, I really don't want to sit on this creepy Santa for a year. So if somebody wants them now, I'm going to sell it. And so I sold it and I, I just kind of had a, a hunch about him. I, I, I enjoy picking up vintage pieces, but vintage doesn't always sell very well for me, but that's something that I struggle with because I'll see pieces that I think are really cool. I love like the mad men era. Vintage. Yeah, um, I love that look, um, but it just sits. Sometimes, I mean, eventually it sells. But sometimes I find that I get really excited about a piece, and where I'm not, my closet is not primarily vintage. You know, it's probably two percent of my closet, if that. So um, sometimes I just sit on things. But anyways, I'm. I do like the research aspect of sourcing and shopping, and so Rush, Rushden, Santa fit the bill. And then two weeks later, I shared this on one of my videos. I went back. A friend of mine had looked on my Instagram story and saw that I sold that Santa. And um, she called me and she said she collects Santa Clauses. And she's like, Lori, I've been wanting one of those Santas for so long. And then of course I felt bad. She's like one of my best friends. And I only sold them for 30 bucks. I said, I would have given them to you. So I manifested it. I do this a lot. It's my, it's my sixth sense. I went back to the bins. And I just kept thinking, I would love to find another one for Kim. What are the odds? I want to give it to her for Christmas. It would be magical. And I found one. And he was like you really? Percent. Yes.
0: Wow. He was
1: like, it was in my la it was in my um video where I did the um the gift and thrift, the wow. thrifted boxes well, thank, for my kids. I clearly I wasn't the,
0: paying attention the entire time.
1: Thanks, <laughs> Daniela.
0: <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed that that video. Uh, <laughs> Such a bad I,
1: friend. <laughs> I shared it right at the end of the video, Um, but yeah, it was three times the size of the Santa that we found, and this one had creepy little hands. Like a lot of the Santas have mittens, this one had like an actual (laughs) hand, and I just saw the hand stick. It was like a Stephen King movie. Uh, His his hand was like sticking up from the bin, and I'm like, oh my gosh! And I grabbed him from. He was buried under the bin, and I'm like, I freaking can't believe I found another one. Like two weeks later. And I brought him to my girlfriend that night and she cried. It was awesome.
0: Oh, that's yeah. really sweet.
1: You would cry if I gave him to you. for oh God, I would.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I put him in the fire. For totally different reasons, you'd cry. Yeah, right. do <laughs> uh, uh, will yeah. forever be a thing. Creepy Santa, man. If you find Creepy one, Santa. look it up because apparently it's worth money.
1: And just as a side note, if you ever find one that's a pastel, which is really weird, Like pastel pink, pastel blue, green, hundreds of dollars. Like people were bidding, there were like 46 bids on like a pale yellow Santa with a creepy face. Like, (laughs) I just don't get it. But, anyways, if you ever find one, grab them.
0: I can't. Um, we did have one more thing we wanted to touch upon and it's um free inventory. We did have someone reach out to us and ask us how they can go about finding free inventory. So I have someone in mind that I would love to share with you guys, and her name is Maria, and I know she'll be listening. So hi Maria. Hi, Maria. Um Maria. She is such a sweetie and she's another fellow Italian um woman. We love and- her for that. Yes, and she's Sicilian, so I'm going to clarify that. Um, <laughs> and she is also local to Lori and I. And um, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be too personal or anything, but Maria does have some. Um, health issues that kind of stand in her way from being able to go out and traditionally source like the rest of us do. So Maria's formed friendships and connections with people in her area and family members who basically, anytime they clear out their closet, they just go over Maria's house and give it to her for free and don't expect anything in return. So I think it's important to remember to tell people what you do and share with them that you're reselling and if they ever are trying to donate things to organizations, you obviously don't want to stop them if they are um, loyal to an organization they'd love to donate to absolutely like let them do that. But if there's things that they don't want to donate to that organization and they're either just going to donate to savers or goodwill, just put it out there. Like, Hey, you know, instead of doing that, why don't you give it to me? I'll go through it. And then anything that that needs to be donated that I won't sell, I'll donate it for you kind of thing. You know, there's always that option out there. So I wanted to give Maria a shout out because she is a pro at this and she, she's made
1: her whole business based on that model, which is incredible. And, and I even found just to add to that, Daniela is like sometimes, yeah, just, just telling people that you do it. Like I personally would feel, not, I guess I wouldn't feel awkward, but sometimes you feel like I I wouldn't want somebody else to feel like, well, I'm giving them something that they're going to profit off of when I can donate it to somebody. Um, so I'll just like, people know that I do it. So they'll call me. I don't even have to ask. Um, one of my daughter's friends got into Stanford Mm -hmm. and she's just this incredible athlete. She plays field hockey. And she had done like the circuit at every college was scouting her. So she had college sweatshirts from all around the country. Um, And when she got into Stanford, she called me and she's like, I have a ton of clothes that I'm going to donate it. Can I bring some to you? So like, I had like Princeton sweatshirts and, you know, UMass sweatshirts and just all because she had done like clubs over the summer and camps she gave me a ton of college sweatshirts as well as like vineyard vines and new with tags, things like just so much stuff. And she's like, no, please take it. You're doing me a favor. Like, I don't feel like going to Savers and like that happens. Has that ever, has anyone given you inventory?
0: Yes. So my, um, wonderful boss who just recently retired actually would go through her closet periodically and she would, and actually it was her and her daughter would give me bags of things. And, you know, she would bring it to work sometimes. And there were a couple of times I said to her, you know, I'm going to be up near you, up near your house. Why don't I just swing by and I'll just, I'll come get it from you guys. No big deal. And they would kind of go through it with me and be like, Hey, if this stuff isn't going to work for you, just let us know and we'll donate it kind of thing. And I've gotten wonderful inventory from her that's sold for for really good money i'll put it that way she you know she's a very well dressed woman and um her daughter gave me a brand new pair of fry boots that i wish were my size but they weren't they were too small and you know i've i've gotten oh nice i know i've gotten quite a few things from from her that are just You know, it was very generous for her to give it to me. And there were a couple instances where I said to her, you know what, I think you should really donate this to Dress for Success, because I think that there would be some very happy women out there that are trying to get ready for job interviews that would love these pieces. So um, there are really great organizations (laughs) that you guys can look into um, if you don't feel it, if you don't feel comfortable just donating it to Savers and you're like, okay, this isn't my thing. Um, I can't resell it myself, but someone else might benefit from it from this organization. I think that's a really great thing to do as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And there there's plenty of people in need out there. Um, and I think there's a Dress for Success um, branch in Worcester. I don't know if that's what it's called.
0: Yeah there's one in Providence and it is called Dress for Success and they also Dress for Success does do a sale two times a year as well. It's like a clearing their inventory kind of sale. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to lie, I have gone just to kind of scope it out and see what I can find to resell. Yeah. I've made out well a couple of times. Well, I don't
1: believe that they Yeah, but that probably that money and and see this is where sometimes like I I think that's great because whatever you spend is going back to that organization. Yeah. And I don't believe that the women who are the recipients of the clothing have to pay.
0: Right. I think it's
1: free. It's it's free. Right. So, I mean, this is maybe stuff that just people didn't, you know, I don't know, for whatever reason, they're clearing it out. So I I think that all the time too.
0: They get donations from various companies and I think people drop things off too. So, um, you know, for them, they just, it just goes right back into their nonprofit, which is great. You know, it's,
1: there's a school um that's close to me um it's rfk school in lancaster massachusetts and um it is a school that is uh some of it is residential and it's you know for for student, for kids with tough backgrounds and um they have a a group of students from rfk who go to my kids high school and um anyway they have a school on campus that I, I don't know if I mentioned in the first podcast in the intro that I used to be a teacher, and I taught special students with special needs, and then um, I specialized in kids with behavior disorders, so a lot of kids pre-residential or juvenile hall or that sort of thing, so I love that population of kids, and I interviewed for a job at RFK, and they, they, I got the position, but then I realized that they went to school year-round Um and I was like, oh, I I wasn't didn't really think this through. (laughs) So I I ended up not accepting the job and um because I want to be home with my kids in the summer. So but I got put in touch with a contact. There was a woman who worked for the school who um set up a shop upstairs. They got donations, clothing donations, and kids would be bused from all over the state who had any affiliation with RFK, and the kids could come and get clothing. Um, and she had this great concept to set up. They had like a floor upstairs in their building where they could set the floor up upstairs um, like a boutique. So we had like a back room and it was, I it was all volunteer for me, but this woman was just so dynamic and had such great vision. So she had this one room that was like the shop and we waited on these kids like they were at Neiman Marcus and they would come in and um, everything was laid out, like just like a boutique, like the back of the house was a mess. But that one room that they came into, they had a fitting room. She painted it. It was just this beautiful thing. These kids would get bussed in and they'd come up and we'd like bring styles out that we thought they would like. It was really wonderful. And it was all from donations from Macy's and TJ Maxx, like back stock. It was all new stuff, but um, we would try to outfit things together. And she just did such a great job of making it such an experience for kids because prior to her being there, the kids would come in and they would like just go through boxes. Right. And, um, it was just a totally different experience. So I I love hearing about organizations like that in the area that can give back to people who need it. So.
0: Yeah, that's really neat.
1: Yeah. That was a huge detour, but yeah, that was, that was a great experience. I wonder if they're still doing their thing there. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know.
0: Well, I think that wraps up this episode on sourcing. What do you think, Lori?
1: I think so. I think it's, you know, it's something we could talk about for 10 more hours, but I think we touched on a lot of the things we wanted to talk about. We have so many things we want to talk about, so many topics. So we should wrap up sourcing and um, look forward to our next episode. Oh,
0: my God. Our next episode is going to be so much fun. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. I can't wait to record it this weekend.
1: Yes, really I, don't, I don't even know what direction we're going in, but we're excited I, for it. <laughs> I
0: don't know. I think it can go in so many directions.
1: <laughs> Do we want to share um, a
0: yeah, little bit? Yeah, we preview? can share. We can okay. share. So, um, Lori and I are taking a road trip up to see our wonderful friend Mira. We're going to be going to the bins with her. And she Mira has- is
1: the modern beat on yeah, Instagram if you beat. don't follow her. Yeah, she's amazing.
0: So, she has a very unique. Business model. And we think it's important to share all different types of business models with you guys so that you can kind of see what other people are doing out there. And uh, what she does is really fascinating. And I wish that I could replicate it here where I am, but I think I would struggle with it. So I just want to pick her brain. And, you know, I know so does Lori. And she's a lot of fun to talk to. So she's very
1: feisty, very high energy. And I love her.
0: It's going to be a very, very entertaining episode. So stay tuned for that. And, um, yeah, so we really hope you guys love this episode. I hope it was helpful and I hope we were able to kind of help you navigate or strategize better the next time you head outsourcing.
1: Yeah. Thank you everybody for tuning in to this episode and thank you to everybody who has subscribed, um, to thrifters Villa and we really appreciate the continued support.
0: Yeah, it's been great. I mean, Lori and I were shocked. We hit 200, over 200 listens today and it's podcast has been out for what? four days so that's crazy to us we had no idea what to expect so thank you thank you thank you and uh yes stay tuned for our next episode where Lori and i take the podcast on the road and we get to go and hang out with mira
1: thank you so much everybody until next time
0: bye bye